Hello there. Welcome back to my gingerbread house. You are more than welcome to come inside, although you might want to take off your jacket. I've been stress baking for hours now, and the kitchen is a bit warm. There's a boy, well, I suppose he's more of a man now. He likes to spread malicious lies about me, and I've been informed by one of my regular customers that he's visiting a town a few miles south of here. I do hope he doesn't drop by. But you, my dear, are most welcome. You haven't encountered him, have you? Oh, as promised, I figured out a recipe for that turmeric you bought. Not cupcakes, but shortbread. I'm rather in love with it. Would you like a piece? Anyway, where was I? Ah, uh, yes. You mustn't believe a word Hansel says about me. I tried my best to help that boy and his sister, but they weren't having it, and I... It would be easier to start from the beginning. This week I'll tell you the story of a witch called Melissa. Once upon a time, there was a girl called Melita. Melita's fathers always told her that they found her in the woods. Sometimes, if food was scarce in those days, children would be abandoned in the forest to die. They assumed this was what had happened here. The village that they lived in was very prone to droughts and famine, and sometimes families had to make the impossible choice of abandoning their babies or succumbing to the famine themselves. But these two men were unable to have children by themselves, and when they stumbled across a baby half frozen in the woods, it felt like a blessing. So the couple adopted the baby and gave her the name Melita. They were confectioners. That means that they made and sold sweets. Melita grew up surrounded by them. She knew how they were made. She knew what flavours worked well together and what flavours didn't work so well. Life was good for the little family. And then ten years after they found their baby in the woods, tragedy struck. As I mentioned before, the area in which this village resided was prone to droughts and to famine. Whereas Melita's biological family had reacted to a hard time by making the difficult decision to abandon her and feed themselves, her second set of parents did the exact opposite. When there was food to go around, they gave it to their daughter, even if it meant going without themselves. And yes, they lived in a sweet shop, but one cannot live solely on sweets, and they needed to keep enough stock to sell at all times. Even if the village was going through a rough time, sometimes travellers passing through wanted something sweet to eat. Within a year, both fathers were dead, and Melita was alone once again. She was taken in by somebody else, this time not as a daughter, but as an apprentice. Petrina was an ageing woman, with a cold sort of beauty. And she was bitter. She had once been a noblewoman, she'd say, to anyone who would listen. She had married a duke. But her stepchildren had been jealous, and she had turned all eleven of the boys into swans. Their sister, rather annoyingly, had been resistant to her magic in some way, and years later she had returned, married to a nobleman herself, and exposed Petrina's curse to her father. 
but that is a story for another day. The point is that Petrina had been banished, and she found herself living in a tumble-down house on the outskirts of the village Melita called home. Petrina did not want children. She had never wanted children. She despised children. But she did want someone to pass all of her knowledge onto. Melita was in need of a roof over her head and somebody to watch her back. And she was very good at stirring bubbling pots, be they full of caramel or of poison. It was a mutually beneficial relationship. Petrina was the first witch that Melita had ever met. From her she learned everything. How to craft potions and poultices, which candles to burn and when, the uses for the plants that grew wild in the forest, both medicinally and in cooking. But sweets would always provide Melita with comfort, for they reminded her of the only parents she had ever really had, the two men who had loved her so much that they had died so that she might live. When Petrina decided that Melita was old enough to fend for herself, she made her leave the tumble-down cottage and find a place of her own. Melita left the village, the only home she'd ever known, and took to the woods where her fathers first found her. The things she had learned about edible plants came in very useful over the next few weeks. But she was lonely, and on her own, for the third time in her very short life. Melita spent many weeks alone in the forest, but soon the temperature began to drop, and she knew winter was on its way. She looked for a clearing, somewhere with plenty of space, in a good position that wouldn't flood when it rained, and drawing on everything that Petrina had taught her, and everything she had learned from her fathers before that, Melita built herself the most homey, the most cosy, the most safe house that she could. It was built out of gingerbread, with slices of almond attached with frosting to form the roof tiles, and hard, clear sweets set into the window panes. It was beautiful truly a masterpiece. And since it was magic, it would survive the rain and the snow, and she would be able to live in it just as she would an ordinary house. Melita furnished the house over the years with things she found, mostly bought from traders or travelling merchants. None of the furniture matched at all, but she loved it. It was hers. And people soon came to know that if they ventured far enough into the woods, there was a woman there who could heal the sick, set broken bones, etc, etc. And so the years passed, until one day, Melita found herself staring through a hole in her kitchen wall at a pair of feasting children. They explained that they had come from the village she'd once called home, and that food was scarce once again. Their mother had abandoned them in the forest. Melita's heart went out to these children, whose experience she thought was so similar to her own. She told the children that they could stay with her, provided they helped with the chores. And there were a lot of chores. Usually Melita had to do them by herself, so she was grateful for the help. But these children, it seemed, were unused to housework. They complained constantly. Melita tried to be understanding. Really, she did. It must be awful knowing that your own mother has chosen her own life over yours, and then watching her do it. Melita had only been a baby when she'd been abandoned. These two children were much older, old enough to understand what was happening. Still, she could not figure them out no matter how much she tried. 
She fed them three meals each day, anxious that they'd come from a home gripped by famine, and those meals were always eaten in full. Sometimes the children even asked for seconds. But for some reason, they got into their heads that she was feeding them so much because she wanted to fatten them up so that she could eat them. This is ridiculous. For starters, no one eats the fatty part of a cut of meat. If I was going to eat them, I'd be feeding them, I don't know, spinach and chicken salad, not apple ruddy pie. I mean, Melita had no plans to eat the children. Maybe her time with Petrina had warped her idea of how a guardian should act towards children. But she was not a cannibal. Even so, one evening, when she knelt to put a loaf of bread in the oven to crisp up, the children came up behind her, gave her a shove, and ran away into the forest. She caught herself on her hands, causing enormous blisters on her palms where she'd grabbed onto the burning hot metal tray inside the oven. Luckily, she didn't faceplant the tray. Hands are easier to cover in healing poultices than faces, particularly when the hands and face in question belong to both the patient and the medic. Melita went to go after the children as soon as she had pushed herself out of the oven, but they were long gone, and the time she spent searching for them was time spent not treating the burns on her hands. They scarred, and nothing she did could remove those scars. A few years later, word reached her of a prolific author. His name was Hansel, and his best-selling debut book was an autobiographical account of the time he and his sister had spent in the forest with a witch who wanted to fatten them up so that she could eat them. Melita's heart ached, and for a moment she wondered why she'd helped those two children. Why she ever helped anyone at all? But people were still coming to her every day in need of medical or spiritual aid, and she was happy to comply. If she could make someone's day a bit better, someone's life a bit longer, then hers was more than worthwhile. Maybe the children hadn't appreciated it. Maybe they hadn't understood. But there was nothing she could do about that. She knew she wasn't a cannibal. And at the end of the day, that was what mattered. She may have bought a copy of Hansel's book, though. Just so that she could burn it and cackle evilly. Sometimes we all need to be a little bit petty. I don't know what became of Hansel or her sister Gretel. Not in any detail, at any rate. No news of any more bestsellers have reached my ears. I can tell you what became of Melita, though. She stayed here. She continued to acquire mismatched furniture. She perfected her butterscotch tart recipe. She met you. What's your story? How did you come to be all alone in the woods? Thank you for listening to The Gingerbread House. This week's episode, and indeed the whole series, was inspired by Hansel and Gretel, a German fairy tale. The Gingerbread House is written and produced by Daisy Plant, who also provides the voice for Melita, the witch. Our first season has reached people all over the world, and I mean it when I say that I am grateful for each and every one of you. This is a project that I recorded in my living room and put together by myself. 
If you'd like to hear more stories from the Gingerbread House, let me know by leaving a review on your podcast streaming service of choice or getting in touch via our Twitter or Instagram pages. I hope I was able to provide you with a temporary escape from the world over the last few weeks. Stay safe, only accept candy from witches you know, and remember, everyone is the hero of their own story.